Welcome to Please Bet on Football Games. Welcome to your week five episode of the Please Bet on Football Games podcast. I'm your transient host, Joe, on the road again and for the next two weeks. And at BMADFTS, the keeper of the reel on Twitter. And this is my co-host, Alex. How's it going, Joe? You guys can find me at I underscore like underscore sports six. Happy to be back for another week. Uh, thank God for Monday night and get us, uh, keep us afloat. You want to give us a summary of how the week went, Joe? Yeah, so we'll start with the pod picks. Um, on the pod picks, we gave out Cleveland as our best bet, which means two units. Kansas City in the first half over Philly. The Rams over Arizona. The Packers over Pittsburgh. Denver over Baltimore and Tampa over New England. This is a so we wagered seven units and we had a margin of plus 0.64 units for a dead even 50 win percentage. That being said, we're going to make an addendum. We didn't give out the Chargers on the podcast, but we did tweet about it. But we realized that that's not quite fair to count because we didn't make a big enough deal about the fact that we tweeted about it and it was day of. So in the future, we'll try to make a bigger deal, we'll try to draw more attention. We might even put out some little mini pods. Who knows? Maybe a Twitter video. But just know that if we had counted that Chargers bet that we both tweeted, we'd be looking at roughly up a unit and a half on the week. Right. Not, but we're not counting that bet. So we are not counting that bet, which means that our year long total is currently plus 7.44 units and 64% winning percentage for a ROI of 27.55%. Is that good? You know, I I am not an econ person, but those sound like good numbers to me. Typically, 64% on the year will, will give you money in the end of the year. Typically. Well, I like typically. On the week, personally, I eked out a, well, I eked out a winning week despite having a losing winning percentage. I made $812.93 with a winning percentage of 4444 Largely because I had that massive round robin on Tampa, Green Bay, and Kansas City all winning money line. Uh, and also because I threw that Chargers over Oakland bet out at the last minute, which was really nice for me. Yeah, I had a, a similarly uh, not great, but I'll take it day. Uh, a less of a return. I had a whopping plus 0.153. Uh, units on the week. I was perfectly at 50%. The uh, late Chargers game helped me out a lot. That was the place that brought me back to positive. It would have been a not great little bit of a loser otherwise. So luckily the Chargers came through. We've had better weeks. I know I've had a personally better times, but overall I can't complain too much. Made a little bit of money and uh, lived to fight another week. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a little bit of a rough card as it went, but anytime I can make almost $1,000 for watching football games, I will do that. Yeah, you know, I'm not playing with quite the same units, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy with how I, how I came out as well. With that said, Joe, do you want to go ahead and jump into I fucked up for this week? I don't know what else I can say. And if you want me to say I fucked up, I fucked up. Right. Yeah, let's kick off some segments. So... I think I have the clearest I fucked up. Um, I fucked up because I had a, a full unit on Bears minus three at plus 105 odds. And when I heard that Andy Dalton wasn't going to start, 
I panicked and pulled out, neglecting the fact that the Detroit Lions fucking suck. I fucked up and it hurt. Yeah, you had to have gone on quite the roller coaster over those couple of days, huh? Of getting excited, going, you know what? I think Dalton's going to play. And then going to the complete bottom of the hill, having to panic, get out of the bet once you found out Fields was there. And then sitting on Sunday, probably a little upset that you pulled out. Yeah, very, very quickly. Like the first drive, I was like, okay, first of all, Justin Fields is going to look a lot better playing against the Lions than he did the Browns. So take a deep breath. Second of all, the Lions are so inept in the red zone. And third of all, Matt Nagy knows that he's coaching for his job. If there's ever a time that the Bears are going to look decent, it's today. But all that said, I don't think I fucked up that bad because while I would have made a lot of money, dude, the Lions, the Lions went like one for five scoring a point in the red zone against the Bears. Not like scoring a field goal. I mean, one time out of five times they left with a point. So that could have very easily gone the other way. Yeah, I think uh, that game, you can't be too, too upset about it because even though the Lions are a pretty different team from the Browns with uh, both teams in their uh, respective process and development, but it's still Justin Fields after like the worst rookie performance we've seen in quite some time. All of the time. I don't know, man. Didn't Nathan Peterman throw five picks? Okay, point made. Moving along. (laughs) I know we forget about him a little bit because like some years have passed, but like the guy threw five picks. It was Um, so bad. Anywho, so Fields, he still looked really bad and you didn't know what was going to happen. I I know personally, I didn't have a ton of faith in like, is Nagy going to have a better game plan? Is Fields going to be able to handle the game plan? Uh, Yeah, so Detroit's terrible, but I wouldn't be too, too upset about it because there was... There are there are a lot of variables that you didn't. But with that said, yeah, it probably had hurt a little, hurt a little bit. How do you feel about our uh, our Denver bet? Yeah, that was another tough one for us. I know we were we were both pretty bullish on the Broncos coming through, and even though the their three wins were against lesser teams, and be able to pull it off in a tough game against the Broncos or against the Ravens. Unfortunately, I think we we got robbed of a true matchup with the, the number of injuries. We fucked up in that we underplayed the impact, the injuries the Broncos had coming into the game. Uh, obviously, we did not get help by then. All the good players that remained on the Broncos then got hurt in the game. So by the third quarter, they were trotting out the not exactly the A team. But that was on us for not uh not looking into it enough and realizing how how undermanned the broncos might be also i think we just missed the ravens they they pulled out a better game they they executed when they needed to and the broncos couldn't stop them yeah i we did get a little screwed because if you told me that drew lock was going to play half this game i would have pulled my money out so goddamn fast it'd make your head spin but yes that that said teddy didn't look great and uh i i, I mean I don't get to be shocked that Teddy Bridgewater looked less than stellar against a decent defense when he was missing Jerry Judy, an excellent receiver, KJ Hamler, an excellent weapon, and most of, if not all of, Cortland Sutton, an excellent receiver. So we fucked up more so in just that whether the Broncos roster is that much better or that much worse without those weapons, Teddy Bridgewater sure as fuck is because he goes, I mean, he's like tofu. He tastes like what you cook them with. 
and uh, he was not cooking with uh, the best ingredients this past week. Yeah, and so I think uh, that kind of wraps that one up. We missed the injuries hurt us, and Teddy Teddy is more of a product of a situation than maybe we prepared for. With that said, we did have another loser this week. The Rams had to put up a stinker against the Cardinals. You want to talk about that one? Yeah, it was a weird week in that <laughs> until the second half of the Sunday night football game, all three of my top three quarterbacks in the league look, looked really bad, really bad. Baker Mayfield was terrible against the Vikings. And by terrible, I mean still better than a lot of quarterbacks in the league, but not even close to what he usually looks like. Yeah, then, I mean, that was that was a, just a god-awful game. We can talk about it. Well, unlike Baker, Stafford did turn the ball over, and it didn't look – it was – Stafford looked a little drunk. I, he didn't actually look a little drunk, like, in his face or anything, and I'm not accusing him of, you know, workplace malpractice. But he was playing kind of fast and loose and kind of sloppy, maybe ate some cheese fries before the game, didn't really give a fuck, a little bit of cutty don't care with the cigarette hanging out of his mouth. It was not what I expected, not what I wanted. I thought that the Rams would be fucking hyped to play this divisional matchup, Battle of the Unbeatens. And it turns out that when you come out with your hair on fire for the first three weeks and you just beat the Super Bowl champions in convincing fashion and you have your division rival, the Seahawks, coming up next week, maybe sometimes there's a sandwich spot, even in a good game, because the Rams just didn't come ready. Yeah, it was it was just bad on all fronts. I mean... Outside of the Rams scoring three points to start the game, it was never in doubt that the Cardinals were going to win. They were in control the entire time. You're 100 percent right. the The Rams just didn't they just didn't look like they were in it. Whether it was a want or they were emotionally burned out or looking towards the the Thursday night game, whatever it was, they just weren't ready. And the Cardinals are a good enough team that they'll they'll make you pay if you come in half asleep so yeah it was another one that we missed again Alan that one's tougher because it's hard to count on Stafford just playing that poorly in the team sleepwalking but maybe a, a thing that we have to look into when they get sandwiched with those uh those tough matchups well I think the general takeaway that we're going to have to learn from this week is just because we're so good at evaluating and scouting and like doing the roster up analysis sometimes we completely ignore all of the ancillary factors that the the old head duct tape shoe type guys love to look into by old heads and duct tape shoe guys I mean people who don't actually know how to scout a player but they know like general vibes and general trends so for instance Monday Night Football is an example where our approach helps because you might say oh it's going to be a Raiders crowd. It's going to be 80% Raiders fans. Los Angelinos are all Raiders nation. It's an away game for the Chargers. That's lovely. But Alabama wins a lot of away games against Division II teams, huh? And while the Chargers aren't that much better than the Raiders, they're in a different class. The Chargers are a good team. The Raiders are an average to above average team. And the Chargers just so happen to exploit the Raiders' biggest weakness. So looking at the X's and the O's, that helped us make an easy handicap. In the case of games like the Rams and Denver, we absolutely should have thought more about, you know, is this a good spot? What is their motivation? Are they tired? Is it, you know, all of these emotional, psychological handicaps that we ignore and maybe we shouldn't be so high on ourselves. This is a very humbling, uh, humbling segment for us, huh? 
well, it was about to be, but I'm going to come over the top because one thing that I will not fucking admit that I was wrong about is any of these rookies, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, not a single fucking one of them, not Zach Wilson for goddamn sure. Although Trevor Lawrence actually looked legitimately very good. And keep your eyes open because I may be doing some shorter clips and mini podcasts breaking down the rookie quarterbacks today, throughout the week, et cetera. So, you know, be on the lookout, but just for the sake of time, because Lord knows I'll bloviate. But Justin Fields looking decent against the Lions, not that impressive. Mac Jones throwing five-yard curls against two insanely terrible corners for the Buccaneers, not that impressive. Zach Wilson throwing jump ball interceptions that turn out to be touchdowns, not that impressive. None of the fucking rookies impressed me. I don't fucking care if they won. I don't fucking care if their stat line looked good. And guess what? If you disagree, I will ask you to please bet on football games because I will win and you will lose and I'll feel great about it. You know what? I want to keep this energy rolling. Let's hop into fuck you, pay me. Fuck you, pay me. We didn't have a lot of hot takes, but one of our overarching takes last week was this is going to be, there's some big lines that probably deserve to be big. And we went in on them. Yes, we did. So I guess uh, we can start off with the Pittsburgh Steelers dynasty is dying. This has been a day that I have been waiting for for so long. We've we've talked about it a little bit that it's it's beginning. We've seen it um, last week. They were healthy. They had the whole team. Yes, it's the Packers. But oh, my God. God, they looked horrible. It was incredible. The Packers, I had, so a, a Packers friend of mine, uh, we were talking about the game. He was like, I don't know, man. You know, I'm worried about Watt on on the O-line, these backups, everything. I was like, you have absolutely nothing to be worried about. They're so because bad. Because the Steelers are horrible. And the Packers, I literally asked, I was like, do you think the Packers will score 17 points? And he said, yeah. And I went, then you have nothing to worry about. Because the Steelers are a bad team that has no quarterback, no offensive line, solid playmakers, but no one to get them the ball and no one to give them time once they have it. And the defense has a ferocious front seven, but cannot cover fucking anyone. Yeah, I, I'm. you made a great point last week when you said the Steelers are kind of like the Jaguars in that they're terrible and I don't think the market is reacting fast enough. They're not. Uh, and we'll get to it later in their week five matchup. But the Steelers are like a bottom five team. They're they're really fucking bad. And they don't really have a redeeming quality that makes a difference. You you mentioned I, that front seven. It's awesome. It really is. It It's still top five in the NFL probably. But there's nothing behind it. Minka got exposed again for the fifth or for the fourth time this year. Spoiler, there have been four games. Minka is bad. That's what I'm saying. Minka Fitzpatrick is a bad football player is what I'm saying. And it's it's coming out in spades. The fucking the elder Edmonds brother is not a safety. He's just so slow. He putting him at safety is like putting Miles Garrett at cornerback. I don't even want to criticize him because he just shouldn't be there. Yeah. And the offense is completely inept because the only thing they have is skill position players. And that's the thing you need the least. I mean, you need them, but you need an offensive line or a quarterback first, and they don't have those. So Yeah, and I think skill position players at this point are the most easily replaceable. Yeah. Whereas offensive linemen and quarterbacks are probably the two hardest position to replace um, just on a team, let alone, like, I'm just the offense. I mean, the entire team. And the Steelers are horrible. I mean, their offensive line has been 
just terrible. So I think, yeah, the we were completely right. The Steelers are a dumpster fire. We need to hop on it and bet against them while we can. Kick um, that horse before it dies. Seriously, just kick them while they're down, but before everyone else realizes how down they are. It felt dirty betting on the Packers for a second week in a row, but it it felt a lot better betting against the Steelers. In the same vein of horrible teams, let's stick in Pennsylvania. Philadelphia is ass. The entire state of Pennsylvania needs to stop playing football because their NFL teams suck ass, and nobody seems to realize it. Like, Jalen Hurts was a bad college quarterback. And then he came to the NFL and people are like, oh, he could be the future. Why? I'll give you this. He's an awesome leader and an awesome speaker. I might vote for him for city council or mayor or some shit just because he's really good at talking. His his takeaways after the games are great and sometimes hilarious and dookie filled. But much like his speech after week three, his game is dookie filled. He can't throw downfield. His running, he's not actually very fast. <laughs> like He's a power runner as a quarterback. You can't do that in the NFL just like practically because you will get hurt but he can't do it in the nfl because he's just not that strong very few quarterbacks are you got to be built like tim tebow and then you throw even worse and then all of a sudden he's tim tebow with a better hairline i i don't think that the eagles are as bad as the steelers but they are bad and we need to jump on them before people realize that beating them by 10 actually means nothing exactly like you know we we talked about Kansas City was going to have a rebound game and they were going to beat up on the Eagles because one, Kansas City wasn't as bad as everyone was saying. You know, they had lost the two games in a row, but they had just played really tough games. And when you play three really hard games in a row, like you might drop one or two of them. Um, but this was not a hard game. The Eagles, uh, I, I keep going back to, I think losing Brandon Graham is, was a humongous hit to them because their defense was playing really well before that. And then, and since he's been out, they're not good. I think just his his emotional leading, his actual play on top of it is so important to them. And you're right, without without a defense to help him out, Jalen Hurts, he cannot do it. He can run decent. He's not great at it, but the threat helps as well. He can't really throw well enough. The O-line is starting to get hurt now too, which has always been the thing that sinks them. I was going to say, as is tradition. Exactly. I mean, it, it happens every year, and it like it sucks because there are a lot of really fun, good offensive line players that I like watching. But every year this happens, and it's just when in the year it happens. And it seems like this is now. It's now. So I think it's only going to get worse for Philly, which is unfortunate because I actually like the Eagles a lot. But they're they're bad. Kansas City's a good team. The Eagles are a very bad one. I would say I agree the the Eagles are probably ahead of the Steelers, but I, I don't really want to pick between those teams. We're being honest. It would really, really suck to be a guy who had to pick between the Steelers and the Eagles as their favorite teams, uh, especially if you like hypothetically didn't live anywhere near either of those cities. Like it, it really would just suck. It yeah, would probably make really my voice though. very monotone. Uh-huh. Yeah. It would be a very, very sad goblin looking person. So we had another another one that we can be pretty excited about. This one, personally, I am quite quite happy about. So I'll pass it off to you to keep a little bit of emotion out of it. Go ahead and tell me about those Cleveland Browns. Yeah, so I'm a little bit more torn because my allegiance is primarily to Baker Mayfield over the Browns. And he played like 
dog shit. Again, his dog shit is a C minus because he's just that good. But he was missing some throws that Baker usually hits with his left arm. It was bad. And you know what? The Browns are so good that they're a legitimately solid to good football team with their top five quarterback tied behind their back. When Baker plays about as bad as he's ever going to play, they're really good. And it's largely, in my opinion, because Jadevian Clowney is a fucking monster. Now, everybody knows Miles Garrett's great. He's a freak. But on the other side, Jadevian Clowney is blowing up like every other play. There's nothing you can do against this defensive line now because Malik McDowell's legit. Malik Jackson's legit. So the Malik's in the middle. Oh, my God. The Malik's in the middle are forces. You have to account for them. Miles Garrett is a freak. You have to account for him. Jadavian Clowney is a freak. You have to account for him. So the whole game, I was thinking, wow, the Browns are really scheming up some great pressures here, huh? Because they're getting, you know, they're penetrating the backfield in a second or two every play. No, it's just that one of the defensive ends was dominating every single play. There's nothing you can do. So like when, when the Browns play the Raiders, we got to hammer the Browns because it's a perfect matchup nightmare for Derek Carr. Oh, yeah, that game, it, assuming that game is not played in a monsoon like it was last year, <laughs> and all parties are healthy along those lines, yeah, I'm betting everything on the Browns. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm just hoping the Raiders stay, like, stay good until then so that we can get good value on it. Yeah, because if you thought the Chargers made life hard on Carr and kind of, you know, cut him off at the knees by pressuring him, can you imagine what Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney are going to do to Alex Leatherwood and Colton Miller? Week 15, Colton Miller's baby. improved to that, like, he's actually a solid tackle, but Alex Leatherwood is still terrible. And you have two guys that, when healthy, are, I mean, Miles is arguably the best edge rusher in the league, and Clowney is top 10. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah. You're 100% right, though. Baker was horrible. That was, the like I said, the only reason it's not, the worst game he's played as a pro or at least since, you know, they've kind of gotten through some of those Freddie kitchen days is because he didn't throw any picks and didn't have turnovers because I mean, like in a turnover could have lost that game very easily. So that was the only thing where I was like, at least he didn't go into complete hero ball mode and start saying, Hey, I'm playing like shit. I need to go make something happen and throw into triple coverage to Odell. So it was the only thing I was happy about, but yeah, hopefully we don't see that ever again from him. If we do though, that run game is still very potent. Even when the the Vikings were lining up, shut down the run, the, the Browns were still turning yards out and that defense looks very fast and very aggressive. All right, now we are back with week five's version of Gas or Fade. For those of you that don't know, this is where we just take a look at teams, talk about whether we think they're overrated or underrated, and look for value in them moving forward. Joe, do you want to take us and start us off with the gas section? Who are you looking to gas? I know it sounds kind of uh, counterintuitive, but I am really excited to bet on the LA Rams now that we're going to get some value back because they had a stinker. I still think the LA Rams are the best team in the NFL. I don't, I, when Matthew Stafford has a C minus game, they are beatable, but I don't think Matthew Stafford's going to have many C minus games all season. I think we might've seen all of his C minus games for the year already against Arizona. That's it. He's really fucking good. There's no reason to believe he's injured. There's no reason to believe that he's, you know, getting lost in the playbook. I think that he just had a bad day against a good team 
and it got out of hand way too quick. He had a little bit of a slow start against Tampa, if you'll remember, but Tampa let the Rams hang around just long enough that the Rams got their feet under them and started scoring in bunches. Arizona ran off with a 14-0 lead before the Rams could even wake up. So as long as Matt Stafford's not throwing opening drive picks again, we're good. Additionally, I just think we're going to get great line value because everybody's talking about the Cardinals beating them. So flipping to the other side, we're going to have a quick gas or fade segment this week. There's a team in your AFC North that we're going to be putting the brakes on. So the Cincinnati Bengals, we've we've talked about them a little bit the last few weeks of not being very impressed with what we've seen despite them winning games. And that continues to be my feeling, especially after this last week where they barely won a game against the Jags, who are the worst team in the league. They're terrible. In Cincinnati, they literally didn't lead for a second of that game, and people were talking about them positive. The the line for this week dropped after that game, which is insane to me. They, they haven't beat any good teams yet. I think the Vikings, that was the closest one, and that was week one, so I don't really count it all that much. But they beat up a decimated Steelers team, lost to a bad, you know, the Bears, that was when they were healthy-ish. They lost to the Dalton-led Bears and then barely beat the Jags. Like, they have done nothing to impress me. Their offensive line is not atrocious, but not good. Joe Burrow, he takes what you give him, but if you put him under pressure or you put throw any confusing looks at him, I think he kind of crumbles. Their wide receivers, we've talked about it at length. They're really good at catching the ball. They're good route runners, but they're not separating from anyone. They have no speed. If you can stay a little bit sticky on them, they're not they're not going to beat you. So I don't worry about their playmakers. I think their offense is fine. And then the defense has a couple of good edge rushers and then is weak. They have Chidobia Wouzier, who's a decent CB2, and Jesse Bates. And other than that, their secondary is nothing as far as coverage goes. So I don't think they're going to be able to stop any offenses moving forward, especially any that have a decent passing attack. And the offense, if you can pressure them or just not blow coverages to Jamar Chase, I don't think they're special. Their kicker seems good. I like him. But this is an average to below average team that has beat bad and underperforming teams and lost to the only normal legitimate team they played. Because I the Vikings are solid, but week one, I don't really count all that much in what happened in week one because there's a lot of fluky stuff that always happens every year. So I'm not impressed by the Bengals. I don't think they're going to be good and they have some really tough games coming up. I think it's important to go jump on them and bet against them now, but especially moving forward, they're going to be a, a team I look to bet against consistently. I couldn't agree anymore. Anytime I can bet against swaggy Kirk Cousins, I'm down. On a similar note, our last fade before we get to the card, just fade every rookie quarterback because they're all bad. Justin Fields had his, you know, he looked much, much better and he still didn't look passable. Mac Jones, I know Chris Collinsworth loves the taste of his genitals, but the kid is nothing. He is Mark Sanchez with a dough belly. Trey Lance over in San Francisco is a shotgun without any sights on it. I, It's going to come out of his arm hard and it's going to go somewhere. I don't know where, but it's going somewhere. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is actually great. Uh, no, that's a lie. Trevor Lawrence looks much better than the other quarterbacks and it, it'll never matter because they're the Jaguars and they're so devoid of talent and their coaching is so incredibly, not only bad, but now dysfunctional. And then finally, Zach Wilson, uh, he, he made the highlight reel 
because he threw a jump ball into triple coverage that ended up being a very long touchdown. Yeah, keep doing that one. See how that works out for you, bud. Uh, you might not play the Titans backup cornerbacks every weekend. So I'm, I'm not high on any of them except Trevor Lawrence, and I'm not even high relative to the market on him. So if a rookie quarterback is in a game and he's playing, bet against them because even Davis Mills let me down. Yeah, I think it, one, they're all in such uniquely bad situations or are totally underprepared. Like Trey Lance doesn't matter where he plays because he needs to learn how to play quarterback first. Justin Fields, don't think it really matters where he plays. He needs to learn how to read a defense before he's going to actually be successful. And then the other guys that are your more uh, pro-ready guys that you could throw in are all in such bad on such bad teams that it doesn't really matter. Trevor Lawrence has actually shown flashes and looks like he, he might be what people expect him to be. But the team and the coaching especially is so bad that we won't be able to see it on a consistent basis or trust it, then Zach Wilson, I agree with you. He's going to, he's going to make some of those highlight plays. Honestly, it's a little bit of like what Baker and Josh Allen would do early, early in their career where they would go and make plays like that. And then they would throw a terrible pick because they're trying to fit a ball into some tight window or make a hero play. So I think we're going to see a lot of that from Zach Wilson as we move forward. And then Mac Jones, we've talked. He's his situation is actually solid, but he's just so limited that it won't be able to turn out, out to anything this early. So yeah, out outside of Trevor Lawrence, I don't love the talent levels, and the guys that do have the talent right now just don't have the situation. All right, that about wraps up segments. So I think that this will be where I stick the commercial in. So let's be professional and give our listeners a quick commercial break before we get to the games. So we had to start off week five, the Los Angeles Rams going to play the Seattle Seahawks on Thursday night. Seahawks are plus two and a half. I'm really glad that I jumped on this one early because I put two units on Los Angeles as soon as this line came out when it was originally Rams minus one. So we got the we got the money and the steam on our side. I love this game because, first of all, the Rams are going to be pissed off at how sloppy and and just generally bad they looked this past Sunday. But second of all, I get the team with the significantly better quarterback, the significantly better coach, and the matchup advantage. Now, the Seahawks looked okay against the 49ers, but first of all, the 49ers are not a good football team, so that's not impressive. And second of all, the 49ers did a poor job of it, but they they showed that the league knows exactly how to beat Russell Wilson, which is taking away the deep ball. The Rams are a much better defensively coordinated team with a lot better players in their defense. They're going to get in pressure on Russell Wilson, sure, but that's not the problem. They are going to put three and four high shells. The Seahawks will not be able to go deep. Russell Wilson will be confused, turn the ball over, and Matt Stafford will torch a bad secondary. It is that simple. It is a very easy handicap. Yeah, I uh, I didn't get, get on it right away, so I'm going to have to live with it at two and a half, but I'm, I just put money down on it. I love that number. Um, I agree with you 100%. I think the Rams are going to be pissed off coming out. The Seahawks might be riding a little high off of a division win. They're on the other side of the card, you know. And, yeah, the the Rams have a much better defense. You get Jalen Ramsey running around with DK. Is this a two-unit play? It might be. I want to run through everything else because I like some of the other games this week. But, I yeah, this one's getting a little, a little dot near it to come back and maybe bet on again. Yeah, I've already um, got two units on it. I fucking love it. Yeah, I mean, I do worry a little bit that the the Rams secondary isn't overly athletic outside of Ramsey. So the Seahawks can, if they do start hitting those intermediate routes and they alter and Russ can see and hit them, 
they might be able to eat up that defense a little bit just because Russ can escape some of that pressure and neutralize a little bit of Donald and the, the speed that they're bringing. But overall, I like Stafford more. McVay's a much better coach. The defense is better than what the Seahawks are trotting out. I think the offense is, I like the Rams more, but even if you get a very good version of the Seahawks, I think they're comparable. They're pretty similar in the leg up that the Rams have in defense and coaching, I think makes it even an away game playing in Seattle. I still like it for the Rams. I think that wraps that game up. It's a great game. I love the bet, but there's not much to say when you got this much advantage. Beautiful. And then we go on to sunny old England for a 8.30 a.m. game. The New York Jets are playing the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons are minus three. Speak for yourself. Um, aside from the fact that this game sucks, it's at 6.30 a.m. on my West Coast. So I will probably not be watching, at least not live. And uh, no, fuck this game. Yeah, I will be waking up and watching highlights. Like, honestly, I have no handicap on this game. It is too inconsistent and bad teams. Let's go to Sunday. Or let's yeah, go to the I, real slate on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I don't want to bet on it. All right, we have the Denver Broncos going to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are minus one. I fucking love this game, but I don't know who's playing quarterback for the Broncos, and I don't know which of their receivers are coming back. If they have Bridgewater, probably betting Broncos. If they have Judy or, well, Hamler's done. If they have Judy or a healthy Sutton, I'm betting Broncos because it comes back to that. We talked about it already, but it can't be overstated enough. The Pittsburgh Steelers are a dying horse laying on the ground. You beat it until it's dead. It's not dead yet. People seem to think the Steelers are okay. They're not, but people are wrong. We have to keep yeah. betting against them while we can. Yeah, I, I I, really want to bet on the Broncos, but I'm not doing anything until I see who's playing quarterback. Because even if Judy and Sutton are back, I still don't trust Drew Locke against that defense. I agree. Because I think the Steelers are going to be able to confuse him so much that they're going to get those those turnovers and those minka picks they're going to have them running around and just chucking balls so and in that event i'm not going to bet on the steelers because the steelers are a really bad team yeah and i'll probably just stay away from the game even though it'll hurt me a lot but we just had a one point spread with the ravens and even though you know it wasn't cover close to covering the like it was a pretty good game relatively until the the injuries came in and the steelers are significantly worse yeah, I I'll, let's put it like this. We are going to fucking count this Broncos bet on our goddamn record next week if Teddy Bridgewater plays and one of Judy or Sutton plays and is healthy. Um, I will try. I will really try to post an update either in recorded or tweeted form, and I will try to make sure everybody sees it in time to get their bets in. But I'll take the Broncos at anything better than minus three. So minus 2.5 and up, I take it. For the Broncos, if they have Teddy, but it is Tuesday at noon Pacific time. So I guess we're going to have to move on for now. Yeah, there's not much else that can be said until we know who's playing quarterback, but I definitely lean towards the Broncos. And if I'm betting on this game, it will be the Broncos. With that said, we can go on to the Detroit Lions playing at the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are minus seven and a half. Insert puking sound effect here. All right, noted. Uh, the Lions fucking suck. The Vikings are pretty overrated and not very good. I don't care that the Vikings should be 3-1. and one. I have a really lovely analogy that I shared with Alex this past weekend when we were trying to solidify how confident we were about our Browns bet. I have a little spin on the old, if my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle. Because, you know, in this day and age, we're not sure anymore. What I am sure of is if we're trying to find out if Alex's uncle is smart and his response is, well, 
if my uncle had big tits, people would tell him he's smart all the time. My answer to this is that doesn't fucking tell me if he's smart. It makes it more likely that he's perceived as smart, but it doesn't tell me he's smart. So in this case, the Vikings could very well be three and one. All it would take is a couple of coin flips. And that might tell the market that the Vikings are a really good team and the public might bet on them. Fuck the sharp money might bet on them, but it doesn't change the fact that they have a bad coach. They have a terrible secondary. It's playing well, but that can't last because it's not good. Kirk Cousins is average and he's being talked about as an MVP candidate. The Vikings are a below average team and I don't care if they're three and one. I don't care if they're four and oh, they're a below average team. That is what they're made of. This being said, the Lions fucking suck. Seven and a half is way too big a number, but this might be a nice leg. I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, I think the the Vikings are overrated. I think the Browns had a really good game plan to neutralize their offense, whereas I don't know if the Lions will be able to generate the pressure that they need to, especially to throw me or Kara out. I know that they cannot, period. Yeah, so, and with how bad the corners are for the Lions, I expect Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen to just eat because Kirk will take what you give them. Yep. And the Lions are going to give them a lot. See, the, the Vikings are going to win this game. I expect them to come out with seven and a half. I worry about that back door because the Vikings defense is bad. And I can very easily see them up by two touchdowns and just play prevent. And the Lions score and cover us, get the back door. I don't like the Vikings enough to take them at seven and a half, but obviously I'm not betting on the Lions because they are a future team. Yeah, I might put Minnesota in a money line parlay. I wouldn't want to lay two or three with them. I would just do money line, and I might not even do that because I think if Detroit's ever going to win a game, this is one of them. Yeah, I think they're, they're a decent option to put in a leg, but I would I would have to see what what else everything looks like before I would jump on. We've already spent too much time on shitty games. Will the next one be any good? Yeah, so this one should be a fun one to bet on. The Green Bay Packers going to play the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are plus three. That noise you heard was me rushing to bet a unit and consider this for our best bet of the week. Green Bay all day. Now I have to actually go puke because I hate myself for betting on Green Bay three consecutive weeks. I know. I feel incredibly dirty, but it's three weeks in a row and I feel great about all of them. Dude, they're playing bad teams that are being talked about as good teams. And this means that on the fourth week, next week, we're probably going to get a great fucking number against the Packers. And we're probably going to bet against the Packers. But the Bengals just got outplayed by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Urban Meyer played the Cincinnati Bengals like they were a college co-ed's asshole in jeans. I love those videos. But the Bengals are not a good team. Joe Burrow is still swaggy Kirk Cousins. He puts up awesome stat lines against really, really bad teams with a lot of garbage time yards. And it's completely unsustainable. The Packers have an actually good secondary. Eric Stokes is lighting the world on fire like only I seem to think he would have. Me and the Georgia defensive backs coaches that started him thought he was great. And then everybody who has their finger up their ass which apparently includes Urban Meyer, so maybe it's their finger up someone's ass, thought that Tyson Campbell was nearly as good, if not better. What the fuck? Eric Stokes is a legit, awesome cornerback. Uh, Jair Alexander, if he's healthy, because that is a question, is a great corner. And yes, there is a big size mismatch because the Bengals are all just tall, slow dudes, and Jair Alexander is tiny. But Jair, Jair Alexander has elite ball skills and hops, so I'm actually not that worried about it. Yeah, he plays very big. Even though he's not huge, he plays like he's a big dude because he's aggressive, he's physical, and he can get up with the ball, and he makes plays on him. I don't really worry about the size advantage uh, problem for the Packers. Yeah, so 
like, yes, this game is in Cincinnati, but one, home field advantage is overblown. Two, Packers fans dominate the entire Midwest, of which Cincinnati is a part. So it's going to be a fucking 60-40 split. Like, it's not going to be crazy. And finally, last week, a very, 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 very bad team very well could have beaten the Bengals in Cincinnati by three. Like, most people after the first half would have said that's an extremely likely outcome. The Green Bay Packers are overrated. Aaron Rodgers is overrated. I fucking hate the Green Bay Packers. They're a little bit better than the Jacksonville Jaguars. Give me the Packers minus three. Don't look back. Yeah, I actually bought this, I think, on Friday or Saturday. I, I should have waited because I got them at three and a half. But I thought the number was going to move once the Steelers went and handled the Steelers or the Packers went and handled the Steelers, which they did. And the line's only gone down. And that might be because you're unsure about Jair. But either way, the Packers are a much better team. They're going to be able to eviscerate this Bengals defense. They have so many weapons that the Bengals can't cover any of them, in my opinion. And they don't have a good enough pass rush or anything to force the Packers into altering their game plan and going to some quick hitter offense. We've we've been over this in past weeks, but also the stories of Green Bay's offensive line decaying are greatly exaggerated. They basically have one backup tackle in who's not good, but he's not terrible. He's not going to ruin your game plan on his own. And the rest of their offensive line is still really, really good. So I'm not fucking worried at all about the fact that the Bengals do admittedly have two really good ends. Yeah, I'm I'm not worried, especially because the the way that offense runs and how good they are with, you know, Rodgers overrated, but he's still a really good quarterback. Their playmakers are really diverse. They can do a lot of different things to put stress on a defense. Then even if the Bengals are starting to get pressure, I have tons of faith in the Packers to be able to alter their game plan and start getting the ball out quicker and just putting it in the hands of their playmakers. And I will take those one-on-one matchups between the Packers playmakers and the Cincinnati defense every single time. Yeah, I'm sure Jamar Chase will break one big play because he seems to do it every week. It never makes any sense, but he always does it. Yeah, Burrow and him, I mean, they do have great chemistry. And they're both good enough that they can make stuff happen when they're given the opportunity. And so they're going to get some big plays. Their offense will create, but nowhere near enough to keep up with what I think the Packers will do to the Bengals defense. And so three, three and a half, whatever. I I think this is a good game for the Packers. And yeah, this is three weeks in a row on them, but they've been treating us well. Next game. Next, we have the Miami Dolphins going to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucs are minus 10. Okay, this is a nice leg, depending on the price you can get. The Buccaneers are going to win this game. The Buccaneers might actually even cover this number. But let's just take this moment to discuss how bad the Dolphins are and how hilarious it is that dumbasses thought Brian Flores was a great head coach. I, I think I have an angle on this game, and that is going to be Buccaneers team sacks over. And if you can't find that, just do over 3.5, anywhere up to 5. The Buccaneers are going to sack Jacoby Brissett too many times because the Miami Dolphins are the worst coached offensive line I've ever seen in my life. And their offensive line is not good. Don't, don't get me wrong. But I'm tired of seeing the Austin Jackson slander online because the fucking guy, when, he, when, when Austin Jackson knows who he's blocking, he's a stalwart. He is tough to get around. But 
he very frequently gets confused. And I got to imagine that's because the fucking protections are a mess from their rookie offensive line code and their co-offensive coordinators, both of which are underqualified and shit. So I don't think it's a coincidence that Eric Flowers leaves Miami, goes back to Washington and looks good again. Like Eric Flowers' career arc is terrible in New York, goes to Washington, looks great, goes to Miami, looks bad goes back to Washington, looks great again. Yeah, I think you have a, a good angle on the line. Because I hear that a lot, that line play is mostly coaching. He, he, obviously, if you have super talented guys out there, guys that shouldn't be in the league, that's going to play into it a lot. But your your floor, your ceiling is very dependent on just the coaching and getting everyone on the same page, using good blocking schemes. And that is obviously not happening with them. So, yeah, they're not a talented offensive line, but their production is so bad that there's no other explanation other than their their coaching is terrible because you can't be that bad just purely on talent. That's that's an issue with the the coaching staff. And it, yeah, it does speak to some problems that we've seen with Brian Flores, where he's gotten his team to overperform for two years leading into this year. But he's made a lot of weird decisions. I mean, they've had some strange signings, draft picks, whatever, the way he handled Tua last year, and then the way they kind of went in this year of we're going to hope Tua's the guy, but we're not we're not really banking on it, but Jacoby Brissett's our backup. So we're, we don't have a great backup plan either. So there are definitely concerns about him. I'm not ready to jump in and say he's a bad coach yet just because they've had a slow start. It, it, they don't look good. Don't get me wrong. And there are things that I worry about, but his track record of the previous two years of getting more out of that team than the talent said they should have, because they definitely overperformed. This might just be a lull or them coming back to earth a little bit because they, they aren't crazy talented. This game, I don't know how I feel about it. Obviously. Yeah. Bucks are going to win. They're going to, they're going to be in the money line parlay for me. As far as the spread, 10's a really big number. And while I do think the, the Bucks are going to come out mad, they, you know, they lost, then they squeaked out a win against a team they really should have beat last week. They're going to be mad. They're at home. But 10's a big number. And the way that they play games, their secondary is so soft right now. I just never really trust them to, like, truly put teams away because of how much they run, too. So I'm scared about them as spread, but as far as money line, like I like. Keep in mind that teasing them down to minus three costs you negative 350. That is a steep fucking price. So they might not even be a nice leg just because they're so expensive, but worth keeping tabs on. Mm -hmm. With that said, our next game, we have the New Orleans Saints going to play the Washington football team. Washington is plus two. I've bet on this game. I like this game. I don't feel comfortable about this game. I have the Saints. I got them at minus one. I don't mind them at minus two. I won't take them at minus three. So if you're going to get them, get them quick because that line is moving. Um, I, I literally got minus one this morning and it's already minus two. I Washington's secondary continues to suck. If you listened last week, you know that Washington's second or Washington's defense is basically all just drop zones because they know that their corners suck and they're trying to cover for them by keeping everything in front of them, which means that any team worth their salt can take five to 15 yard shots every single play, kind of like Mac Jones did last week against the Buccaneers, kind of like every quarterback has done to the Redskins or the, the football team this year, including Daniel Jones. You can put up points on them easy. 
Jameis is going to hit those. Sean Payton will be confident enough in him to let Jameis hit those short to intermediate routes because that's not a huge risk of turnovers. The Saints will gash them. The Saints will continue their strange pattern of looking really fucking awesome on odd weeks and disappointing us on even weeks. Yeah, we talked about this last weekend after you know seeing how that game turned out against the Giants or the fact that it even was a game that, yeah, maybe we just don't bet on the Saints on even weeks because it seems like they go, they play one really good game and then it's followed up by a really bad one. And while it's obviously too early to say, yeah, this is a a locked in pattern, but we've seen it happen so far and they're about to go play a team that they're much better than they, they outclass them talent wise, coaching wise, and they should handily win this game. But you're worried after seeing their week two and week four performances where Jameis looked really bad. The offense couldn't move. And the defense was solid, but there's only so much they can do when the offense is at an app. So I worry about that, but Washington has not been able to stop anyone. Their their offense is, you know, they're they're a little exciting and explosive. Jeremy McLaurin's great. Heineke's doing some doing some fun stuff, but they're they're in below average team that is struggling through the year where they don't know what's happening at quarterback They're The defense is not what they thought it was going to be. The saints are much better. They should win this game. I'm going to bet on the saints. I should probably do it right now, but I'm in the same boat that I'm going to, I'm going to be kind of sweating it out no matter what coming into the game. And we'll probably know by the end of the first quarter, whether the saints have come to play or not. But from the time I put this bet in until the end of the first quarter, I'm probably going to be a a ball of anxiety thinking about this game. All right. Next, we have the New England Patriots going to play the Houston Texans. The Texans are plus nine. So uh, Davis Mills, I haven't watched it because I can't bring myself to, but it sounds like he was fucking putrid last week. And I'll just, I'll I'll, I'll give him a preemptive F. Yeah, I had the Bills defense in fantasy and it was, it was a good day for me. Uh, I know he threw four picks and I don't know if he broke a hundred yards. That's really good. Um, well, he's no longer the best rookie quarterback. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe a little premature. Honestly, though, I don't know who I'd put in his place. I, they're so bad. Anyways, oh, no, actually, not irrelevant, because on the other side, we've got maybe the best rookie quarterback, Mac Jones, who is Mark Sanchez, with a little bit less spice and a little bit less sexual uh alleged crimes but more drunk driving more drunk driving less showing his ass at parties and allegedly hooking up with teenage girls allegedly um you can tell you're a lawyer (laughs) i don't want to touch this game i'm not using new england as a leg and if i really if somebody put a gun to my head and said make a bet motherfucker i think i would hit houston money line because i don't like this game at all i don't want to bet the patriots at those odds money line in this game I'm not putting it in a parlay. I could, New England looked bad last week. The only reason they moved the ball even a tiny fucking bit is because the Buccaneers were playing with two completely washed, bad reserve corners who had been on the team for a total of like eight days between them. Matt Jones can't handle pressure. He's worse at handling pressure than Derek Carr. And he is completely worthless when he aims the ball more than 10 yards downfield. And I will probably get into this when I do my solo going through the quarterbacks at way too detailed of a level only for Hardo's mini pod. But long story short, I fucking hate both of these teams. I want to fade both of these teams. The Texans feel random enough that they could give us the upside. Davis Mills could show us the good half next week. And all of a sudden this game's a nail biter. But I've said way too much about something I don't want to talk about at all. Yeah, I'm I'm not betting on this game. Uh I I would if I 
had to pick one thing, I would take the Patriots money line. I mean, they're terrible odds. So I wouldn't actually bet on it, but the Patriots are going to win this game. Even if they didn't look good, I agree with you, Mac. Mac Jones isn't anything special. He's going to take things within 15 yards. The Texans are horrible, man. They And even if Davis Mills comes out and plays a good game, which I think are long odds when you're playing against that defense in Bill. And I know it's overrated what Bill can do. Don't don't jump down my throat and freak out. But you're lucky I was muted when you said that. Yeah, I could I could see the immediate tension on your face. You're just about to pop a blood vessel holding yourself back. Any anyway, I think it's overblown what Bill does to rookie quarterbacks and everything. But after Davis Mills just threw four picks and hasn't looked great in any game, this is a tough matchup for him. I think any game, any team is a tough matchup for him at this point in his career on that team. So when you play a defense that is even remotely good at playing against rookie quarterbacks or just not good offenses, which I think the Patriots defense is geared for and does well, they're going to beat up on him. Even if Mac Jones scores 17 points, I think that'll be plenty to win that game because I don't think Houston's going to be able to do any. But I'm not betting on it either, and we have spent entirely too much time on this game, so we can move on to the next one. The Philadelphia Eagles going to play the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers are minus three and a half. People are going to be so tempted to do the trans transitive property here and be like, okay, so Dallas beat the Eagles by 20, but they only beat the Panthers by like 10. Therefore, the Panthers are way better. And unfortunately, they're probably right. The Panthers are not a great football team. They're the same thing as the Vikings where people are like, oh, they could be, you know, they're three and one. Their record is good. And it doesn't make the uncle with tits any smarter. They are scheme and a lucky break in the schedule. But Philly is nothing. Yeah, I think this one will depend on whether McCaffrey plays because he's questionable for the week. I don't think he'll end up playing. Either way, I'm not, I'm probably not betting on this game just because I, I would lean Panthers. Because even if they, they are a scheme offense, they've been effective enough. And they have between DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, um, and whoever they have coming out of the backfield, they've got some solid weapons. And they Joe should Brady's be able great. to take it. Yeah, they should be able to take advantage of a pretty weak Eagles defense. And Carolina's got a good defense and they're quick. So they can handle that kind of run game based spread them out offense that the Eagles have. I think Jeremy Chin is perfect for this type of game. As are Brian Burns and Hassan Reddick, because the Panthers are one of few teams that has multiple defensive linemen and edge players that are significantly faster than Jalen Hurts. Yeah, so I think the the Carolina D is well set up to play well in this game. I don't. I just. I don't love three and a half. I don't love three and a half on a team that I don't love, but I think I'm going to bet Carolina. This might be one of my, I stand on a hill alone against you, but I think I'm going to bet Carolina. I don't know. I'll come back to it, but I'm probably going to bet Carolina. Yeah. I mean, after thinking about it a little bit, Carolina is a much better play. Like, I might end up tier wise, this game. Break the league into five tiers. Elite, good, average, bad Jaguars. Where do the Eagles fall and where do the Panthers fall? I have the Panthers as somewhere in between average and good. And I have the Eagles somewhere between bad and Jaguar. Yeah, I think the Eagles for me fit pretty squarely in bad because they're not they're not on the level of the Jags. 
they're not a good team, but they have something going for them and they, they can score some points and their defense has some players. But yeah, I would agree with you. Carolina's in that average to good range, depending on if people are healthy and how Joe Brady is calling games. So yeah, I mean, if we're purely looking at it from talent disparities, Carolina's got a decent leg up on them here. We'll also look at coaching. Matt Rule, again, another dude who gets way too much hype for being a decent coach, but he made his money by being a good defensive coach at Baylor. And at Baylor, he played against a team called Oklahoma. And at Oklahoma, they had this, they had this, it's like a quarterback, but it's called a Jalen Hurts. And it did not do very well against a Baylor. I think that Matt Rule is one of the few defensive head coaches who is uniquely qualified to handle a running quarterback, especially one that's not great at the running part. He'll be able to take that away. He'll understand the spies. He'll understand how to align his defensive line, whether he needs to go heavy or whether he needs to go light. I trust him in this scenario to figure out the very simple scheme win that the Eagles are trying to ply on him. And if you give me the better roster and you give me a coach who handles what the opponent does best well, I'm taking it, even if it's three and a half. So yes, I'm betting on Carolina. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I think you just kind of sold me sold me on him. I'm probably going to bet Panthers too. I'm not going to put it in just this minute, just so I can see how uh, the money works out for everything else, but they're going to end up in there. Yeah, and it, same with pod picks. We'll come back to it at the end. So let's do the next game. And the final one of the early slate, the Tennessee Titans going to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jags are plus four. Okay, I'm not betting on the Titans minus four because I'm not allowed. But if the Titans had both wide receivers, Julio and A.J. Brown back, I would be betting on the Titans minus four, even breaking my rule. Um, yeah, same same thing. I'm not betting on the Titans. I, mean, I Honestly, I don't even think it matters that much if those wide receivers play. I think the Titans would cover that no matter what. But I don't bet on the Titans. So Give me one second. I'm looking up the injury status on Julio and A.J. Brown. As of four hours ago, uh, not much has changed for A.J. Brown. Neither has it for Julio Jones. Both are questionable. Neither are likely. God damn it to hell. Um, okay. Money line parlay leg. Yeah, not, I think they would not going to lean heavy on it. I'm. I mean, I'm not going to do it because I have a rule <laughs> that I have broken before, and it has bit me every time. So I don't break this rule anymore. However, if you don't have such a rule, yeah, I think them and money line parlay is good. Honestly, I think them even that spread is a good bet, just because I think. Jacksonville, Lawrence is going to be able to score a little bit, even when he struggles. He still has those flashes being good, and they have enough speed and options that they can pick on defenses a little bit. They're calling right plays, which is a big if. And who? But that locker room cannot be in a good state right now. I've heard. Did you see the Mike Silver thread? I I did. I was about to bring that up. And it's Mike Silver, so you never truly know. But he normally actually has pretty good takes when they're – or pretty good – insider stories when they're not on things that he's biased about like, so like jackson. hugh jackson stuff you can't <laughs> listen to him you because he's just trying to shill for his buddies but when he's not in that position i don't at least i don't know of any connections he has down there nobody but went he's to Cal, coming right? out yeah so like but if that story is to be believed that locker room is not going to be a good place their coaching staff is in shambles and tennessee is not a good team they always play under what they should. And if they're missing those two wide receivers, their offense gets really one-dimensional. But Ryan Tannehill is still a good quarterback. Derrick Henry should be able to just abuse that defense. And they're going to be able to throw a little bit enough to keep them honest. And the Jags are just a really bad team. So if you go back to the tiers thing, Tennessee is 
in that average range to me. And the Jags are in the Jags range. So you have a big disparity there and you're giving up four points, especially with now you have the Jags plus crazy locker room stuff. So I like the Titans, but I'm not betting on them. So I don't know how much you should really listen to me. Can we do a contingency thing where if one of the wide receivers plays for the Titans, then we do minus four? You are more than welcome to do that. I I personally will not be doing it. I don't want to do it either. I'm scared. <laughs> it might hit, man. I really, in my it's logical gonna, brain, It's going to win. This is the Bears-Lions bet from last week. It's the same exact fucking calculus. But yes. I don't want your dirty money. No, I do. Okay, <laughs> I, fuck this shit. No, I am going to bet on the Titans minus four if I get Julio or A.J. Brown back playing we will know this within two days. I'm putting it on my contingency list and you can go, you can do the thing that you did week one with the Falcons where you say, no, don't bet it. And I'm going to do it anyway. And fuck it. I don't care. See for other people. I think it's a great bet. Just me personally. I cannot bet on your body, your choice. Outstanding. So on to the afternoon slate, we can jump on into the New York giants playing the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are minus seven. The Cowboys are frauds and the giants are scary, but bad. People are talking about Trevon Diggs as defensive player of the year. And Trevon Diggs is uh, an actively bad cornerback. He happens to have gotten some interceptions, some on one on Devontae Smith falling down, uh, a few on just awful fucking throws from bad quarterbacks. He's not a good He's not a good corner, and he's going to be playing against actually good wide receivers this week. And while Daniel Jones isn't very good, Daniel Jones has shown an ability to take advantage of bad defense. Additionally, Dak Prescott is a pumpkin. The Giants will be able to heat him up a little bit. Lorenzo Carter is a good edge, and then they have a combination of average, I would say, edges on the other side, including Aziz Ojulari, who is just so small. But put simply, while I think the Cowboys are a better team, I think the Giants have a path to beating them simply because the Giants' strength is in their wide receivers. The Cowboys' weakness is their entire secondary. Trevon Diggs be damned. Dak Prescott is better than Daniel Jones, but he doesn't outclass him. The only hope for the Cowboys is that they just get so much pressure on Daniel Jones that he turns the ball over with one of his classic fumbles. And while I absolutely adore the converted defensive end, Micah Parsons, I don't think that the Cowboys defensive line is actually very good. Yeah, I I erred towards just staying away from this game because the Giants are not a good team. <laughs> the Giants are not a good team. Their, their playmakers are good. But when you have Daniel Jones and you're relying on him to get the ball to him, it's tough. And Saquon is what he's always been, which is he's really exciting and he's going to bust off a big explosive play that might end in a touchdown. But other than that, he's going to be kind of like an average running back. So I think they they always get a little overrated because they have Saquon and they have some of these exciting playmakers relative to what they are because they're really not good. Yeah, they beat New Orleans last week, but I don't really put much credence in the Giants rather than just New Orleans lost the game. Dallas is better. Dallas is going to win this game. I do think there's a pretty big difference between Daniel Jones and Dak simply because of the consistency. And then I know Dak is going to go out there and have a solid game. He's going to go out there, and especially this year, he's been making really good reads. Like He's become a legitimately genius quarterback. I mean, not genius. Genius is for Brady, but... He's become a very smart quarterback, and I will give him that. He's extremely consistent. He's been elite at reading the field this year, 
and is still, you know, good enough at running, has enough arm strength that he can put it in places and they have good playmakers that he has options. So I think there is a pretty big difference, especially because Daniel Jones, his best game is maybe a little bit more exciting than Dak's best game, but he's still not making those types of reads that Dak is. And Daniel Jones also might have his worst game, which includes two fumbles and a pick. Whereas Dak's worst game, he's probably going to be pretty average with his touchdown to turnover ratio. And his, you know, he probably just dinks and dunks, doesn't really create much, but that's his worst game. So I think there's a much bigger drop off and worry you have with the Giants. So I wouldn't bet on the Giants, but Dallas at seven, that's tough because I agree. I don't think their defense is anything. Trevin Diggs is better than I thought he would be because I thought he was going to be too slow to even like to be more than, uh, you know, third corner type guy, second corner type guy. And while most of these have been on bad quarterbacks where he's just been in the right position, there is a lot to be said about being in the right position. So even if he's athletically limited, he is being in the right spot and following these guys well. So I think he's solid. He's not, you know, defense player of the year and he's not a surefire number one corner at least not not at this point, and I don't think he will get to there. But he's solid, and he's showing out well. But beyond that, yeah, they don't have much. So if you match him up with Galladay, who actually I think he matches up really well with Galladay, but you still have Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram and Darius Slayton and Saquon and guys that you can go get the ball out to in space that I don't think the Cowboys can keep up with. So that's where the Giants do have the avenue to scoring. I would lean Cowboys, but seven's a really big number in a divisional game. See, I lean Giants because there's another thing you're forgetting. Basically, all of my draft darlings that went to the Giants and have been drowning or starving, depending on how you want to put it, are, are finally blossoming. Andrew Thomas, very quietly, he had a bad week one. I'll give you that, whatever. Since week one, he's been on fire to the extent that PFF currently has him as the highest rated tackle from that draft class last year with a 72 overall grade on the year. And this is playing against Chase Young. You know, this is this is playing against a fierce and complex Saints defensive line. He's he's played really well. And his his problems in his rookie year were mostly very small confidence issues and just getting mixed up in his footwork, things that can be fixed really easy, things that come and go. And while you say that Trevon Diggs is a great matchup on Galladay and you couldn't be more spot on, Kadarius Tony finally got touches last week. And would you imagine that? Great things happened. The dude moves. The dude is tough. He's, he's Percy Harvin with some height. And if Percy Harvin had some height and a few less headaches, Percy Harvin might be a Hall of Famer. I don't know if Kadarius Tony's a Hall of Famer. That's a big fucking jump, especially when he's starting his career with the Giants. That's tough. But, but he's good. And yeah, Slayton's also really good. John Ross is still really fast. Crazy how that happens. I don't want to bet on the Giants because I hate the Giants. I hate betting on the Giants. They are just an overrated bleh team. But if I had to, gun to my head, I'm taking Giants plus seven. I'm not going to bet it, though. The Giants are missing possibly Darius Slayton and possibly Sterling Shepard. And with that amount of uncertainty, I just can't touch this game. So I think we should move on to a game that I kind of want to get my hands all over. All right. So next we have the Cleveland Browns going to play the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers are minus one and a half. Oh, we could go 15 minutes on this game alone. The, the formula for beating the Chargers is going to be are you patient enough to wait out their defense and take the smaller plays, work your way down the field? Are you fast enough to just straight up burn their corners super deep? And can you stop their offense, which is going to be entirely short shots and jump balls? I think the Browns are uniquely qualified to 
matriculate the ball down the field, as it were, both with their strong run game and with the dinks and dunks. Even when Baker played poorly this past weekend, the dinks and dunks were there. They still work. He can always hit those pedestrian throws. That's his thing. So I like the Browns in that respect. And I think that the Browns are uniquely qualified to stop the short game stuff because they do like to have so many safeties. They usually run a three safety with a fast linebacker like JOK defense they're going to get the pressure with four so they don't have to blitz i think that this is this is a matchup that favors the browns that said similar to how i think you might feel i am a little scared yeah i'm i'm more scared than you are because i'm not going to bet on this game i agree with you i think the the browns have a better matchup for them the defense they're going to make the chargers one-dimensional they're going to be able to do the same thing they did to the vikings last week of shut down your run game and you have to pass to win and the Browns are going to be able to drop seven into coverage because that D-line is so they're just incredible they're right now they're playing at a a rate that I would be elated if it kept up I would be shocked if it did though and even with a better offensive line for the Chargers than the Vikings or the Bears have had there's still not a great offensive line The Raiders got plenty of pressure last night, and I think the Browns' defensive line is much better than the Raiders' D-line is. Miles Garrett and Judavian Clowney are outclassed Max Crosby, who's a really good DN. So the Browns should be able to get a ton of pressure. Herbert is still a young quarterback that, I mean, he, he doesn't struggle under pressure, but anytime you can get a young guy under pressure, I think it's beneficial for them. He also does take a little while on his reads sometimes, and I love Herbert, but it, the one knock I have on him is he's not quite there mentally yet. Yes, yeah, so I think the Browns can force him into making some mistakes, and it, it, they're going to be able to drop seven. So you're going to have more guys to hopefully jump a route or breaking out pass plays, getting interceptions, something. And when you have the the speed that the Browns do, they're going to be able to chase those guys around. You're not going to get some of the busted plays and Eckler, you know, running around and getting away from everyone. I do worry about the size of the Chargers wide receivers because they're big. They're big route technician guys that catch the ball. And the Browns, if Greedy's playing, you know, he's more suited for that. But even he struggles with some of the agility and, you know, like a Keenan Allen will eat him up because he'll just route run him to death. And then you have Denzel Ward and I love Denzel Ward. He's great. But these guys, they might have like seven inches on him and 40 pounds. The defense has a ton of speed and they should be able to cover up some of those size disadvantages, being able to use the safeties to help cover joke to run around underneath and cover, cover some of those dink and dunk passes that they're going to want but the main reason I'm not going to bet on the Browns this week is that I don't trust where Baker is right now I think for the future long term Baker is the guy you know there are obviously some questions there but overall I'm confident in him however given last week and that he hasn't really blown us away yet it's been a lot of decent games you know the Texans he was incredibly accurate but it wasn't you know some wow what a clinic he just put on it was the tech and it was the tech and it was the text. So I don't think, you know, that that was just one bad game that we can isolate and throw away. He might just still be struggling with figuring out, okay, the line's a little beat up. So he's running around more OBJ's back and Landry is out. So he's getting used to, you know, he has the big play guy again, and he doesn't have a guy that he's used as a safety blanket for the last few years. So that might be throwing him off, but either way, last week he was really bad and this is a 
solid defense that'll capitalize on mistakes and will make him a little uncomfortable. So I could see him having another really bad game. And even if it's not as bad as last week, it won't be enough. It might not be enough to overtake what the Chargers offense can do. Because even though the defense is well-suited, the Browns can't go in and score 14 points like they did last week and expect to win. You know, they're going to have to go down and put up points in order to beat this good Chargers team. And I don't know if I'm confident enough about them right now. So even though I like the Browns on paper, they've hurt me too much. I'm going to stay away. It's a little risky, but this is going to be one of my Joe bets. Alex stays away games. I'm, I'm going to bet on the Browns. I'm going to put one unit on the money line because I'm getting plus odds. And I think, I think I get the better team. It's close to a coin flip, but if I've got plus odds on a coin flip, I've got a winning bet. So I'm going to do it. I know Alex won't do it. It won't be a pod pick, but it'll be a Joe pick. And I think that that's about that for that, this game. Definitely. So we can go on to the Chicago Bears going to play the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders are minus five and a half. I can't bet on this game until I know who the quarterback is, but I will be telling you that if Justin Fields is a quarterback, I will not be betting, uh, at least not on the Bears, because the Raiders are a decent team. Their offense is solid. The way to stop the Raiders is to get pressure. The Bears will get pressure. The Raiders will still score more than 14 points. And I don't think Justin Fields gets 14 points on this defense because this defense is somewhere in between the Browns and the Lions. And if you average out what Justin Fields got between the Browns and the Lions, you get to 12. Yeah, I'm going to stay away from this game. I, I lean the Raiders because I just think they're a better team. But the the Bears, their defense is set up to cause problems for Derek Carr. I don't know who is, would cover Darren Waller. Great question. <laughs> yeah, so I think the the Raiders have some really big matchup advantages, at least in their in terms of their playmakers, but they're going to be struggling. Alex Leatherwood is going to have a horrible day with Khalil Mack. So I, I think the, the Raiders are going to be put in uncomfortable situations and might have a week similar to last week on offense. But yeah, I don't think the Bears are going to be able to score. Even with the the weak secondary and general, you know, not great defense that the Raiders have, they're going to be able to put pressure on. If Dalton plays, then, yeah, I think it's a better situation because he's a professional that can get the ball out quick and will play within the, the realm of the offense. But if Fields go in, it goes in, I have no faith that he's not going to do the same thing again that he did against the Browns, which is run around and make horrible choices and be late on stuff. So especially if Fields plays – then I'm looking at the Raiders, but five and a half is a bad number. And with the question marks there, I would, I'm probably not going to bet on it. If Dalton plays and that number moves, then it's a, a bigger question. Then I start looking at the Bears, but probably just going to stay. We can go to the next game. We have the San Francisco 49ers going to play the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals are minus five and a half. All right. As much as I'm inclined to mark Arizona as an overrated team because I had them as overrated coming into the season and they just beat the Rams. They're the last undefeated team. Their hype has never been higher and I would love to sell it right now at this high point, but the 49ers were bad with Jimmy G and with Trey Lance, they might actually be a bottom five, bottom 10 team because Trey Lance is fucking awful. He, I think he went one for eight last week and the one was a trick play. Yeah. He's, he's the extreme of Justin Fields or Josh Allen when he was coming out and that the guy does have literally every physical tool he can do anything with his body but he hasn't played quarterback man he was he was essentially a wildcat quarterback at 
uh, in college where, I mean, how many passes did he throw? I don't know, but when I first watched, when I first watched North Dakota's tape and he was in it, I was actually watching Jeremy Chin play safety for Southern Illinois. And I'm not joking. Halfway through the game, I was like, wow, who's this number five kid? He's a really good fullback. They got some white fullback tearing shit up. It was actually Trey Lance. Yeah. I mean, he, he just hasn't played quarterback. Like, and so he's not going to be ready. If you expected him to play this year, then that was a humongous organizational failure. And I don't think they expected him to play. They made it clear. Honestly, I wouldn't even be playing him now. I would be playing whoever the heck else. Nate Sudfeld. Zach Uh, Sudfeld? Maybe not. It is Nate. But yeah, maybe not. But yeah, you're not going to get anything good out of Lance right now. He has no idea how to read a defense. He still can't throw very accurately either. So he's completely set up to fail they'll be in a really bad position in terms of passing offense granted Shanahan might be able to work a lot out because they're really good at moving and they have a lot of people they like doing with their handoffs I wouldn't count on that but I think it might be good for you know a game or two where they're able to bust stuff out with some mismatch problems with that said I don't know if this is the game yeah I hate five and a half like I really fucking hate that number but I kind of want to lay it why shouldn't I lay it like, how do you stop Kyler Murray? You make him throw and you contain him in the pocket. They'll contain him in the pocket. That defensive line will win. And they'll make him throw. But he's going to throw. He's got great receivers. And San Fran has no corners. Yeah, I think the way you beat Kyler, at least right now, is you make him throw and you get lucky that he's on a bat. Because right now, Kyler, he he either is going out and looking like an MVP all-star, you know, like putting balls wherever while running around untackleable. But then he also has weeks where he plays against the Jags where he just doesn't look good. Like he's missing his throws. The places that he's extending don't lead anywhere. He's making the wrong reads. And so those those still happen. That's why he's not a top tier quarterback is because he's too inconsistent. And that's why I think it's tough to bet on or against the Cardinals at this point, because it's very dependent on just which Kyler shows up. And I don't know if at least I have identified what leads to him having his shit weeks. But assuming he's on a solid week, which he tends to start hot, and you're right in that the 49ers don't have any corners. So Kyler should be able to get away from pressure when they bring it, which they will. And then he just has to like generally put balls in the right area because A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins are going to catch anything, along with then Rondell Moore to just go scoot past people. So I think they should beat up on the 49ers it's a hard number and I always worry about the volatility of Kyler especially in a division game but on paper I agree with you even with a tough number the Cardinals have looked really good and that that 49ers offense is not gonna I fucking wish that we had this number from last week this was minus two and a half before Sunday yeah so three points for Jimmy Garoppolo to Trey Lance I actually think that that might not be enough well also we saw the Cardinals manhandle the Rams but also San Francisco is not as good as we I mean as people think they are anyways so we've got a three-point drop off because Garoppolo to Trey Lance the Cardinals look a little bit better the 49ers are probably significantly worse than we thought I motherfucker. well I think we should do it I think we should lay on the Cardinals I'm probably not gonna bet on that Mm. but I just don't trust Kyler man I don't either. You know what? I don't think he's a good quarterback, and I think that he's been a B-plus quarterback to this point in the year. But, fuck. Okay. Well, let, let's see what we got we with Sunday Night back. Football. All right. So we go to Sunday night. The Buffalo Bills are going to play the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are minus three. This is a good game. We've got two quarterbacks who are significantly overrated, but still good. 
and we've got good teams. I'll start with Patrick Mahomes. Um, he's not been good really since like midway through last year. He was not very good in the playoffs. He was actively bad in the majority of the playoffs. He was not good to start the season. Playing the Eagles has a way of helping you turn your shit around. But now he's playing the Bills, who are a good team, and their defense looks to be back to 2019 levels, which is a very good defense. Meanwhile, Josh Allen has looked bad, and I know in my heart that he is a pumpkin. He's a very talented pumpkin, but he is a pumpkin nonetheless, and he will turn back into that pumpkin at some point because min- midnight will always strike. But Kansas City's defense is really, really, really bad. And they're short on corners. And even if one of them may come back, but they're not going to be perfectly healthy. So I have the good quarterback who everybody thinks is elite and is not playing well lately. Or I get the okay quarterback that everybody thinks is great and is not playing well lately. One of these teams has a good defense. One of these teams has the best head coach. Oh, I'm going to bet on this game. You better bet your ass. And I'm probably going to bet Chiefs. But I don't know if I like it. I'm in the same boat. I think I'm. this might be a game that I end up betting on live. Just because I think we'll know a lot about the Chiefs when we see them in a first series. But I lean Chiefs as well because I think the Bills, they've been, I mean, they've been absolutely thumping people the last couple of weeks. Which people? But, but who are they playing? <laughs> they they lost to the Steelers in the first week. Kind of fluky. Josh Allen really didn't play well the first couple of weeks. So it seems like he's coming on and their offense is starting to click a little bit more. He's, you know, getting into the, the groove of it a little more. And you're right, that defense has looked a lot better. I think some of those young guys on the D-line are coming through and helping them out. They're, they're a fun team. Their DBs are good. I, and they have solid linebackers or at least they've speed the linebackers and the chiefs have struggled this year i mean their defense is really bad well the offense has had its had its hiccups here's what the game is going to come down to because the the bills defense can be good all at once the chiefs are going to score 28 to 35 points pretty much assuredly so the question is can josh allen score 28 to 35 points without turning the ball over yeah because that's a that's going to be the biggest thing it seems like when the the chiefs win the turnover battle against good teams at least when they play good teams if they win the turnover battle they're going to win the game and send do you think they're going to win the turnover battle against josh allen josh allen has not looked great this year i think you know a, a lot of what you've talked about pumpkin maybe he's not the hugest pumpkin he's not going to revert to what we thought he might be when he first came out, but he's been missing stuff. He hasn't been getting quite as lucky. Things haven't just kind of like snapped into place like they did last year. And the Chiefs know how to play him. I mean, they they beat up on him last year. And it could be a good meeting of the Chiefs coming back out. You know, they had their slump. They're waking up. And this is, you know, their their stage to show everyone, hey, like those those first couple losses were just a fluke. But I don't know, man. I probably lean Chiefs, but I don't feel good about it. This this game is one that I will watch every second of, but I really don't have that great of a read on it, as you might be able to tell by me kind of just hemming and hawing back and forth. I I want to bet on the Chiefs because I think that Josh Allen will turn the ball over. I think that if anybody's going to force a turnover, it'll be Tyron Matthew. I think that the Chiefs are probably going to get Charvarius Ward back, and I think he's a decent corner. All right, here, how about we do this, what we did on for the Monday night game? What's the Chiefs kryptonite? What's the Bills kryptonite? The Chiefs kryptonite is a combination of a team that can score consistently on offense. So in order to beat the Chiefs, you need to be able to score consistently on offense. You don't need to be prolific. You just need to be able to hang with them. 
and their defense is so bad that you just need to be solid. So the Bills need to be solid on offense, consistent, no turnovers, get the points that are out there. And then on defense, you have to either, one, get creative in your pressuring of Mahomes like the Ravens did, or two, you just have to be able to catch the inevitable turnover throws because he throws at least one or two turnover balls every game, and they're so frequently dropped. Do you trust Sean McDermott and that Bills defensive coaching staff to use those delay blitzes or you know something similar to what the Ravens did? No, because that's just not their game. They're more of a cover two shell. The thing is, and I, so then on the other hand, do you now trust Trey White, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer to catch those balls over I, the Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill? I think I do. I kind of do too. Those are all those are all playmaking defensive backs. And yeah, I wish they had a better second corner, but it's okay because that person will be covering Josh Gordon or Mecole Hardman. Mecole Hardman can't catch and Josh Gordon is old and probably high. Yeah, and like just got reinstated. Yeah. The dude, the dude's gonna know two routes. Oh god. And then on the other side, but, do I trust Josh Allen to score without turning the ball over? Exactly. Because what's the Bills kryptonite is make Josh Allen turn the ball over or somehow pay for his crazy like run around, chuck the ball up, the the, the wild circus plays that he tries to make happen. And he doesn't do those as much as he used to. But he still uses a lot of just like the crazy play extension and then make make something happen out of nowhere. And if you can either not let those happen or get a turnover off of those, I think that's how you kill them. Well, additionally, just Josh Allen's not even that accurate. So if you just make him play straight up and he even plays clean with his decisions, he's going to miss throws. All you have to do is make him pay for it on third and long. I mean, that, all of 2020 was basically just Josh Allen getting lucky or making something insane happen on third and long. That was their season. Yeah. I want, I want Kansas city minus three. Yeah. So then it's just like, do you think it's more likely Josh Allen messes up or that the corners for the bills don't get picks? I just put a unit on Kansas city minus three, because I think that if anything is going to happen, Josh Allen is going to fail in this game because we've already seen him fail against Pittsburgh, which is difficult to do. And I'm not ready to crown Josh Allen for accidentally scoring 28 points against Miami, which we now know is not impressive. And he looked bad in that game. And I'm not going to crown him for scoring 40 points against the Texans in the rain when Davis Mills threw 97 interceptions. Okay, four, but I'm disappointed in him. So Yeah, I, I'm still not really sold on the Bills. I think week one was more fluky than anything, but I agree that I, Josh Allen hasn't looked great. Are are the Chiefs going to have a losing record a third of the way into the season? I don't know. I mean, I agree with you that that sounds ridiculous, but I think it's dangerous to think that way as well. But yeah, I think just the, you know, we talked about needing to get better in the the read of what's happening relative to the season. And I think this is a big time for, yeah, the, the Chiefs are coming out. They had their lull and they always have like little slumps like this. It seems where they have a couple games where they mess up. And not necessarily that losing two close games is messing up, but I think they're more likely going to come out hot and that this is, you know, the trains rolling now than them fall back. Would we ever even think about not betting the Chiefs minus three against any team other than maybe the Buccaneers? If it wasn't for that weird fumble that lost them the game against Baltimore, where they played like shit anyways, and a lot. The only reason that they lost to the Chargers is because they had two fumbles and a two picks eliminate all these crazy turnovers that are not sustainable and the chiefs are probably four and oh again and we're talking about how 
well, they're probably three and one because if you eliminate crazy turnovers, the Browns don't lose by fumbling a punt at the five. But if the Chiefs are three and one, they're only laying a field goal. We take them every time against damn near everybody. And they're at yeah, home. They're Let's at not home, overthink right? it. Yeah. Let's not overthink it. Let's just take the Chiefs and never You're look right. back. Let's go Chiefs. All right. You ready to go on to our final game of week five? Yes, sir. The Indianapolis Colts go to play the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens are minus seven. I hate this game. I probably won't even watch it. I really hate this game. I don't want to even use Baltimore as a leg just because the Colts are better than people are giving them credit for. But when the Ravens have an advantage on you, they run the score up. So if the Ravens are going to win this game, I think they win it by 21. Yeah, I just I just don't love this game in general. I, I'm Thanks. still trying to figure out what, what the hell to make of the Colts and their quarterback situation and what their defense is because you know they they won last week they played a good a good game against the titans the week before but they just still don't seem very good they're missing the quarterback thing and hasn't gelled the defense hasn't looked good relative to what we expected and the ravens they put a they they had a really good game last week they went into a three and oh team yeah the, the broncos were beat up but they went into mile high and they won. I mean, they, that game wasn't really in doubt uh, for much of it. It was. It seemed like it was the Ravens, and then, all right, the Ravens are in control when the Broncos are just trying to claw back. So I think the Ravens are a much better team here, but seven is a tough number when the Ravens run the ball the entire time. The Ravens and, are also susceptible to, if, if what they're doing isn't working, they can get beaten by the Lions. Yeah, and they have and one pitch. The, and the Colts have shown an ability to shut down one game, one part of people's game pretty well. The when they really commit, you know, they have Darius Leonard and uh, DeForest Buckner, and you know some of these new guys that I know you hate, but have at least put in some time and have some hope to them. That they have some good young people that uh, on the D line in the front seven to play up against the Ravens and try and shut down the run a little bit. I don't think that Quiddy Pay is any good. I think he's effectively Jamal Adams playing defensive end full time. But you know what? Because he's not that good, he doesn't penetrate too much, which means it's very easy for him to get off blocks. And he legitimately is probably faster than Lamar Jackson. So that might actually be an asset to them. Just all in all, I don't want to touch this game. Maybe I live bet it. Maybe we do a segment on it later. But yeah, yeah, this game I mean, is I think way it, too hard. Yeah, I'm. I am not smart enough to break this one down or, or, you know, whatever. Don't have a line on it. I can't figure it out. I'm not going to bet on it. I don't think we need to bet on it. We have a lot of good other bets. I know there were some that we had kind of tabled. Do you want to jump back and go through some of those? Yeah. Now that we're done with the card, let me just, let me read off to you what our pod picks are currently. Our best bet of the week is going to be Rams minus two and a half. We have Green Bay minus three, New Orleans minus two. We agreed on Carolina minus three and a half and Kansas City minus three. That puts us at five bets. And then we also have Denver if Bridgewater comes back and at least one wide receiver comes back as a contingency, which I'm sure we'll have to update everybody about as the week progresses. Then we also have Bears. Well, we have a contingency on the Bears. On quarterback. And then Cardinals. I know you're you're higher on the Cardinals. Obviously, we don't need to put them in at this point, but on one hand, it would feel stupid to not take the significantly better team laying less than a touchdown. On the other hand, it would feel stupid to bet on the team that is currently getting more hype than it ever deserved that I thought was overrated coming into the season. Yeah. And I mean, two weeks ago, we were talking about how we need to fade this. But I don't see how the 49ers score 21 points. Yeah. 
it's this is a tough one where we want to fade the team that is the right bet. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just such a tough time for Trey Lance to come in. But what if Kyle Shanahan pulls every trick play out of his fucking bag and just wills them to 21 points on double reverse passes and Trey Lance Statue of Liberty? That's a very stupid reason to not bet on a football game, I just realized. Yeah, and Kyler, they just got to – they just have to – he literally just needs to do fuck it, DeAndre, down there somewhere because no one is breaking up a pass in that secondary that's going to DeAndre Hopkins or even A.J. Green. And no one can run with Rondell Moore. Let's bet on Arizona. Just yeah, a unit. Yeah. They're 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 at the, the bottom of the barrel. If this one doesn't hit, I'll feel less bad than the other ones. Okay. So now we've officially got Rams best bet, which means two units, Green Bay, Arizona, New Orleans, Carolina, Kansas City, and Denver if they get everybody back. Yeah. That's not bad in my book. This this card feels better than last week. Yes, there's not as many. I don't like the parlays as much, but mm-hmm. I do like it generally better. Yeah, the lines are much better. They're much closer, more reasonable lines this week. This is a gambler's card, whereas last week was a public card. Yeah. Um, as far as a parlay goes with some legs, uh Tampa Bay, Tennessee money line, and Arizona money line, that's plus one fifty. That's not bad. Pretty solid. I, I mean, again, I don't bet on the Titans, so I'm not going to make that bet. But those are pretty good odds. I mean, you, you always have to worry about the Titans, Titans thing, doing that AFC South thing. But it's the Jags after their coach just tried to finger bang a co-ed at his bar. You, like, could substi- you could substitute Tennessee for Minnesota over Detroit, and it brings it down to plus 115. But honestly, yeah, dude, I don't think the Jacksonville Jaguars are beating anybody on a good day, much less when they're literally laughing their coach out of meeting rooms. Yeah, they, it, there's just no way that rectifies in there. I think any veteran that's there has got to already be checked out, right? Like, they're already talking to their agent like, hey, where do where you think I should play next year? Like, Sha- Shaquille Griffin, I guarantee, has already called his agent and been like, I'm pretty sure his agent's Drew Rosenhaus too. So I'm pretty, I'm guaranteeing that oh. he's been like, Hey, uh, how do I get down to Tampa? Yeah. Drew Rosenhaus has three trades already set up. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll toss on that. Fuck it. Who cares? Do I do a fucking full round Robin on Tennessee, Arizona, and Tampa? I think that's very dangerous. I think that is, that's uh, maybe flying a little too close to the sun after last week worked out. Because Arizona very easily can, not very easily, but they they have a path to being the bad Cardinals because that shit happens. And if you have them in two parlays like that and they fall flat, you're going to be crushed. Or Mike Vrabel does the Mike Vrabel thing and punts from Jacksonville's 35 with a minute and a half left in the game. Like There are just too many with those teams that I wouldn't put them in round robin, stuff like that. You put them in a parlay here or there, cool, because we have bets on them. Like, I, they should do this. But if you're going to start popping them in two, three things that are all dependent on each other, I would get worried. Okay, yeah, that's probably fair. Well, in that case, I'll just make it a parlay. It's plus 150. I'll take that. Exactly. Like, you're going to get your money if it hits. Don't be greedy. No, you're right. Yeah, you don't, you don't need to tie up four units or whatever like you did last week. Yeah. No, it's not that slam dunkish. Right. Okay. I think that's it. I think we've uh, I think we've finished this pod. So until next week, I can ask you to listen to the podcast. I can ask you not to tell me what the fucking stats were on Justin Fields' game. But if I can ask you one thing that you'll actually listen to me about, I'm asking you to please bet on football games. Until next time, hasta.